0: This show is designed to give general information related to investing in finance. Neither Aaron Katzman, his guests, nor the radio station are rendering legal, tax, or specific investment advice. If you need such advice, contact a licensed advisor.
1: And welcome to the Aaron Katzman Show. I'm your host, Aaron Katzman. I'm here today to speak to you about your life, your investments, and your money. As always, we've got an unbelievable show, a special show today, but before I give you the details of the special show, as always, if you've got any questions or comments, feel free to email me at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at lighthouse with an L, lighthousecapital.co.il, that's Aaron at lighthousecapital.co.il, or you can check me out on the web at www.aaronkatzman.com, www.aaronkatzman.com. As always, I forgot... We are coming to you from the spiritual and soon-to-be financial capital of the world, Jerusalem, Israel, and that spirituality, that closeness to God is very important because today on the show, we are going to speak about the upcoming U.S. presidential election with none other than political pundit extraordinaire, Abraham Katzman. Relation to me or nor relation to me? That is the question. The answer is you'll hear his voice and you'll be able to make, you'll be able to answer that question. Say hi, Mr. Katzman. Hi, Mr. Katzman. Oh, it sounds like me. I'm like a ventriloquist, an audio ventriloquist. I'm playing both sides of the uh, radio spectrum here. No, just kidding. This is my brother, but he happens to be a political pundit. And we decided to do this because probably nobody's going to listen, but just kidding. Everybody's going to listen. But we, we figured it will be really fun for my father to listen. So we decided to do this. No, really, I get asked all the time. In fact, I was at a special dinner two nights ago, and the person sitting next to me said, hey, I hear if Trump wins the election, the stock market's going to crash. To which you can't believe how many times I've heard that. In fact, it's like I hear it multiple times a day. So, so I asked him. One question is, "Why?" And he was like, <laughs> He didn't have an answer. I don't know if my brother remembers. We used to go fishing in November, December, and it'd be really, really cold, and we'd get off the boat, and your lips would be like purple, and you'd try and speak to each other, and you couldn't. Like the mouth was sort of your mind was working, but it was like. <laughs> And that was the same reaction that he had. But because of that question, I want to get into it. And I want to speak about the differences by, um, from each candidate and on the economy. I think that's what people want to hear because we don't want to speak about can- scandals, right? The, 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 the tapes from Trump, it's a family show. So we'll just say the tapes from Trump and the fact that Hillary's probably headed to prison. But let's put that to side, okay? And let's speak about the economic policies of each candidate. And from that, try and maybe get into a window, actually, of who would be better for the economy. And over time, who might actually uh, make that stock market hum and rev up and and move higher? And it might be, the answer might be, here's a clue, not what conventional wisdom seems to say. You're listening to The Aaron Katzman Show. Aaron at LighthouseCapital.co.il. AaronKatzman.com. So... Abraham, Abe, tell us about what you think, we'll speak general and then we'll get into a few specifics, the differences between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump vis-a-vis the economy. Are you suggesting there are
0: issues in this election? Uh, I actually haven't heard any for a while, but let me uh, deep go deep into the recesses of my memory and see if I can come up with anything. Uh, sure, look, there are very uh, there are significant differences in their approach. Um, she, like everybody says, is in many ways going to be a, uh, a continuation of the policies of President Obama. Uh, if anything, things might even get a little bit more extreme. She's talking about more tax increases and. More free stuff for the government to give away and more things for the government to get involved in. Um, and all of that has an effect. It has a drag. Uh, it really has a drag on the, uh, 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 on the economy because, look, take a look at what's going on now with the, under the Obama administration. Even in an, in an economic recovery post-recession, which is usually a period where you have tremendous growth, we have not had a single year of even 3% growth since President Obama came into office. And when you consider that interest rates are essentially zero, plus they've written $10 trillion of bad checks to stimulate the economy, uh, you know, the, if you can't hit 3% under those conditions, uh, there's a real problem. There's either a—it's either overregulation or— uh, or or something that is getting in the way of the economic engine of the United States uh, from doing what we know that it can do.
1: Now, people are, on the other side, um, are concerned. Many of the never-Trumpers are out there saying, well, he's not a true conservative. Um, can you give us a little bit of insight into his policies, which would be a contrast to that of Secretary Clinton?
0: Sure. Look, it, it, I suppose whether or not he's a conservative depends on how you define conservative. I guess he's certainly not a, a classical conservative, uh, and it, but in some issues he's more conservative than he is in other issues. And when it comes to the economy, uh, look, he's—I recognize he's not. Uh, he, it's not in his blood to be a small government conservative. That's not his thing. But he does understand the benefits of having low and simpler tax rates uh, and tax codes. He understands the burden that overregulation places on an economy. Look, this is a guy who has run a variety, not just one, a variety of businesses. So this is somebody with exposure to a a number of different areas of the economy, and he knows very well uh, what the effect can be of uh, of taxation, of regulation, of, uh, of, of union rules, of right to work. Uh, I mean, there are all kinds of considerations that go into everything that, that he decides to do, whether it's where to build a, a golf course or uh, whether to manufacture neckties. So um, he, at least he understands something about that. And you look at the other side, I mean, there's, there's nobody uh, in her camp with any experience in the private sector, and it shows.
1: And then there's the uh, elephant in the room, Elizabeth Warren. So all those people who think that uh, Hillary Clinton's going to be good for Wall Street, just remember, Elizabeth Warren's like the witch of Wall Street. She is just a disaster. There probably won't be Wall Street once she's gone, once she gets through with it. And she's going to be like the Treasury Secretary or she wants to be the head of the SEC. Who knows what she wants to do?
0: Well, you're the one who called Jerusalem the financial capital of the world, and after they're done destroying Wall Street, it just may be. Uh, so I guess you never really know about these things. Um, yeah, she's uh, it, uh, she's trouble from uh, from an economic standpoint. She is trouble. In this sense, though, I might even give uh, Secretary Clinton give Hillary Clinton a little bit of, I won't say credit, but the fact that she is as corrupt as she is and in the pocket of all the big Wall Street banks as she is, she may not be on her own quite so cruel to Wall Street, but the people in her camp uh, the Elizabeth Warrens that are, that are on, on, uh, on that side of the political spectrum, everybody in the Bernie Sanders camp who's going to be coming aboard with her. These are people who have Wall Street in their sights, and this is not going to be good for the economy, not good for the market, and not good for your investments.
1: Okay, well, good. Nice way to tee that up. You're listening to the Aaron Katzman Show. I am your host, Aaron Katzman, with a special guest, Abraham Katzman. If you've got any questions or comments, as always, feel free to email me at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at lighthouse with an L, lighthousecapital.co.il, or you can check me in on the web at www.aaronkatzman.com, www.aaronkatzman.com. You know, we we're speaking about the um, upcoming presidential election, and we're trying to dig underneath all of the mud that has been slung in all directions and actually focus a little bit on some of the issues. You're kidding. (gasps) Issues? Anyway, something I think that is also under the radar and nobody's speaking about, which I think is a big plus, actually, for for Mr. Trump. There has been for the last, I don't know how many years, decades, uh, uh, a thought process um, in Washington that the way to stimulate an economy is to devalue your currency and to keep devaluing your currency was the, I believe it was the great President Ronald Reagan who said, a strong currency equals a strong country. Now, economist Larry Kudlow wrote that he thinks that part of the bigger Trump plan is actually to have um, a strong dollar, as he calls it, king dollar. And what that actually does is brings huge amounts of investment back into the United States. Um, Could you speak a little bit about that as well? Sure. Uh, Well, for one thing,
0: this that you mentioned, uh, Larry Kudlow actually goes back to uh, looking a little bit at where Donald Trump may go in general, because if you look at the people who are advising him, even if he himself is not by nature uh, a small government libertarian type of, of conservative, the people advising him include Stephen Moore. Uh, include Larry Kudlow. I mean, these are people who are serious, uh, you know, Reagan-style supply siders, and uh, that could do good things for the economy. Um, in terms of a strong dollar, I've never I, look. I'm sure there are economists who can explain why uh, why it's better one way or, or or better the other way, but it always seemed to me that if you're, it's better for people if your currency is worth more there you're wealthier why keep on devaluing your currency and making everybody poorer and make them able to to purchase less and to uh, and to live with a, a lower standard of living that's uh, it's not the way we like to do things in the United States of America at least not historically um, and even though there are people who are very much trying to do that in America I think it would be a nice change to go back to the uh, to the can-do spirit to the expansion of the American economy to the strengthening of the dollar and to making the American economy once again the engine of growth and uh, envied by the entire world.
1: And we see, I think, just historically, um, you know, when President Reagan cut taxes and pushed for a strong dollar policy, look, it set off an engine of growth that was unparalleled for about 25 years. I mean, it's incredible what that did. And you can even look We spoke about Jerusalem being, you know, the soon-to-be financial capital of the world. But in Israel, funny enough, which has had one of the strongest currencies in the world probably for the last five or six years and came through the financial crisis with flying colors, you can see, right, how much investment is pouring into Israel And it's because, again, a strong currency means a strong country, strong fundamentally economy. And that's huge. And I think that people have got it wrong. And I really think that Trump has it right. um, And that would obviously strong economy, foreign investment flying into the country, um, respect for entrepreneurship, which has just been decimated by the last eight years of Obama, who thinks like an entrepreneur, you know, should be jailed. Not somebody who plays around with security on their uh, illegal private server. They shouldn't be jailed. But somebody who starts a business, for crying out loud, they're the ones that should go to prison? Anyway, I had to get that off my chest. As an entrepreneur, I had to get that off that chest. Um, so one more issue I'd like to speak about, because this is coming in the news over the last week, and it is massive because it's going to kill domestic uh, spending, consumer spending in the United States. Um, it's already wreaked havoc on the healthcare industry, and it looks like it could actually bury the healthcare industry, which is probably not good because healthcare is to try and save you, not kill you. And that is the spiking cost uh, that are about to hit in terms of Obamacare premiums. Could you speak about the two candidates and healthcare?
0: Uh, Well, Hillary Clinton, I think we kind of know where she stands. She's been an advocate of socialized medicine and uh, something along the lines of Obamacare, if not a more extreme version of Obamacare uh, for uh, really for for her entire adult life and uh, her entire life in politics. you see the effects of it now. They actually put this into effect, they put Obamacare into effect, and lo and behold, they were not able to repeal the laws of supply and demand. Uh, that's really what this comes down to. You can only manipulate a market so much before things come apart. So they've undone, they've, they've managed to do the opposite of everything they claimed. There is uh, there's less selection, there's less being offered, there's less service. And the costs this year alone, the average premiums are going up 25% this year. And in some states, it's 100% this year. We're not talking about over an eight-year period. Uh, That's crazy. I mean, where in the private sector do you see anything like that happen? 100% increase every year? Most things, the price comes down after a little while. Um, So... the we, we see the results of her approach. And if anything, she keeps on talking about, well, we're going to fix it. But by fix it, I think she means more of it. Uh, on his side, um, I've actually been very encouraged by what I've heard from him uh, in, in recently. I mean, there was a time when he was, he talked about allowing competition between the states, which was a good start. But you kind of got the feeling that beyond that, he may not have had such a, a, a clear grasp on what it is that he wanted to do. And now he's going in the direction. He's talking about health health savings accounts, uh, which are a way of uh, really it's it's the most market-based form of insurance there is. It puts people, it gives people power over their own medical spending and power over their own choice of doctors. And uh, it it really eliminates an awful lot of the bureaucracy, and I think also you'd see if you'd actually go in that direction, you'd see uh, an explosion of creativity in how healthcare is delivered to people. People would come up with all kinds of interesting and innovative ways of delivering uh, certain uh, certain health uh, various. It could be procedures, it could be um, uh, it could be basic services, but Uh, The the model that we have now, I mean when you when you put something when you when you kind of um, uh, You you freeze it in place when you get the government so involved. I mean think of the post office Uh, once you got the market involved Uh, You got FedEx. You got uh, you got all kinds of rapid delivery options. Uh, uh, You've got I mean, look, you've got Amazon now delivering packages uh, same day. I think they've got two hour service in certain areas. Um, And uh, and even the post office, if they're going to try to compete, has to get better. So competition is good. Health savings accounts are the way to go, and that's the direction that he's going. And I think she's just talking about working backwards and uh, continuing down the socialized medicine road That is, uh, it doesn't work anywhere. Why should it work in America?
1: It's rather ironic that if you compare um, health care and the situation of not being able to buy policies cross state borders and compare that to immigration – Right. It's there's a certain irony there. Right. The, the the Clinton campaign who wants open borders for immigration. Everybody can come in. Right. You can be a terrorist. Osama bin Laden can come into America. But for crying out loud, if you live in Indiana, you can't go to Illinois by health care. Right. Isn't there sort of there's a certain irony there. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was just a little humorous thing I was thinking about. Now, um, you're listening to the Aaron Katzman show. I, uh, I think we'll stop here. It was pretty good. Uh, pretty interesting, actually. You'd probably go and speak for a long, long time. You know what? I'm going to ask one more thing. We'll speak about one more um, issue, and that might be to President to, to president. God, shoot me. I shouldn't say that. I'm objective. This is an objective show. What kind where, of Second Amendment comment was that? <laughs> yeah, well, I better do it quick <laughs> if I'm going to shoot me because they're not going to guns if she wins. Um, that is her approach. And this is where I sort of agree with her in some ways over um, Trump her approach to actually free trade. Um, this is maybe the one bugaboo that Trump has as he wants to renegotiate. It sounds like he's much more of an isolationist, especially, especially when it comes to trade. But could you speak about that for a second?
0: Yeah, uh, look, free trade works. However, um, and, and while he's been railing against these trade agreements, uh, in a way, if you listen to him more closely, he's kind of softened his position about a lot of these things. He talks about not eliminating free trade when he talks about uh you know renegotiating nafta he just he he now talks about it in terms of making the terms of it a little bit better i have to think that that has to do with the influence of his economic advisors of everybody around him between we said kudlow and moore and newt gingrich and mike pence uh and rudy giuliani and you go down the line of the people who he listens to um, there's not a, a protectionist in the bunch, and I think that he, as a result, um, he may think that there's a lot that's unfair about these uh, about these agreements, and maybe he will manage to to renegotiate something on them. But I don't think that he's actually going to uh, to tear up NAFTA. And put an economic wall between the U.S. and Mexico, or between the U.S. and Canada. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. It's bad news if he actually does it. Um, but I don't think. I also think that it's both uh, that on a certain level, it's it's economically and politically suicidal. And he does not strike me as somebody suicidal.
1: He strikes me as a lot of weird things, but I don't know about suicidal. Um, Abe Katzman, I want to thank you very much. Stimulating Conversation, something uh, a little more intellectual than we usually get in on the program, I must say. We're usually pretty close uh, to the gutter, but you really upped it here a lot. Um, is there a way for the big listening audience to contact you or to see what you write or anything like that if they want to interview you?
0: Uh, sure. Uh, I guess the easiest way is to go to abecatsman.com, not aaroncatsman.com. That'll get you somewhere else. Uh, go to abecatsman.com. That's A B E K A T S M A N.com.
1: I want to thank you very, very much for joining the show today. We'll have you on maybe after the election to uh, analyze things. And let's hope it breaks the right way. Or else we're all in for a, 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 a big uh, problem, let's say that. Hold on to your wallets, ladies and gentlemen. Abe Katzman, thank you very much. Buy gold. <laughs> <laughs> that was Abraham Katzman, not to be confused with Aaron Katzman. You've been listening to The Aaron Katzman Show. We speak to you about your life, your money, and your investments. We're coming to you from Jerusalem. If you've got any questions or comments, Keep it nice. And email me at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at Lighthouse with an L, LighthouseCapital.co.il. That's Aaron at LighthouseCapital.co.il. Or you can check me out on the web at www.AaronKatzman.com, www.AaronKatzman.com. We'll see you soon.